Welcome to the City Collective Church Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that in today's message, you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. If this is your first time here at City Collective, welcome. We're so glad that you're able to be with us here on this uh, Slightly colder than we desire to be in a gymnasium Sunday morning. I apologize that it is chilly in this room. It was warmer this morning, I promise. But uh, we are still glad to be together. Uh, it's, it's wonderful to gather and to continue in our series that we've been spending the month of January on. We've been having conversations uh, around mental health. The series is called Snakes and Ladders, uh, dealing with life's ups and downs and, and how we can navigate that as, as individuals in a, in a very practical, meaningful way, but also considering what the Bible might have to say about it. I think often when we consider mental health, Mental health can fall into the category of it is a new idea, it's a new concept, it's something that science has kind of led us into. And when we consider it from a, a biblical perspective, it might, might seem archaic. It might seem like it hasn't considered it throughout the scriptures or it hasn't been around. But when you look at the stories of the Bible, you've seen individuals who have grieved, who have suffered PTSD, who have, who have come to places where they are in, in relationship with one another and it has been detrimental to, to how they perceive the world and perceive one another. There is a real conversation of mental health within the Bible and it, it actually invites us, I believe, to consider a holistic approach to how we can engage with it. We, we, we adhere to this uh, as a church. We believe that science and going to the right sources for your reflection and consideration of how to grow as an individual are important. And we would advocate for that. Alongside of that, we believe that your spiritual life and your relationship with God can be a powerful force in the midst of having health in all areas, including your mental health. And so this is why we're having this conversation. We believe it's an important one. Uh, previous weeks, we've talked about a couple different things. We talked week one about family because everybody's got some family that has had an impact upon their mental health. Amen. We're all there. We, we, we've all been there. And so if you want to catch up on that sermon, we have it on our YouTube page um, and you can catch up from that week one, we talked about that. And then week two, we talked about the idea of loneliness. It's something that we all encounter. And uh, loneliness is something that you can talk about. You can give five steps on how not to be lonely pretty quickly, I think. And, and you just have to type in your latest BuzzFeed article and you're going to find something. But we considered it from this point of view. Uh, that perhaps our struggle with loneliness is that we don't know how to be alone. And, and our... And our Conflict with being alone is often what removes the possibility and the opportunity of those quiet, lonely, sacred spaces. And, and the life of Jesus even reflects this. It shows us what it is to be alone in a positive, meaningful, holistic, healthy manner. And so that's what we talked about last week. And now this week, we are, week three, talking about toxic relationships. And so this is, this is a little bit of a loaded word, toxic. Um, because perhaps I say toxic relationships and everybody in the room has a said person come to their mind. Uh, and don't po point to the person beside you. Don't throw an elbow. We don't need anything like that. We can save that for after service. Um, toxic relationships can, can be a big trigger 
for some of the different interactions that we might have on a daily basis or we have had. So I think it's important before we begin to actually distinguish between toxic relationships and difficult ones. We're not looking to just paint everything with a broad brush and move forward. So uh, to begin our conversation this morning, I've invited uh, Paul Baines. I'm going to invite Paul to join us to the front. Let's give it up for Paul. Paul is a clinical counselor. Uh, he's a part of our City Collective family, uh, but he has a day job, and he's a clinical counselor, and he's been out here in the, I'll let you jump on the other side there, uh, in the Surrey area for 26 years. 20, my 27th. In your 27th year. And so uh, we, we felt it would be a wonderful opportunity just to hear from, from Paul and, and hear some of his thoughts on experiences with, with people, interactions with others, and, and what it might look like to differentiate between toxic and difficult uh, relationships. So thanks for joining us, Paul. Uh, thanks. In your professional experience, how have you found that to be something you can distinguish between a toxic and a difficult relationship or interaction? Um, yeah, so as Pastor Jason mentioned earlier, um, it's a difficult word to define what toxic actually is. Um, and what difficult actually is. But in my professional experience of over 26 years of doing this, um, I always look at connection um, and how safe that connection is for people. Mm. Um, in particular, emotional connection. So emotional connection is this idea of um, the knowledge that, you know, you, um, the person you turn toward will, ha will empathize with you. Um, so emotional connection is just that kind of primal safety you get from knowing that you're seen, valued, and comforted in your most vulnerable moments. Mm. So usually when people come to me, I will kind of assess that, especially in, in couples' relationships. Where's that safety? If they don't feel safe, then they're not really going to turn towards their partner mm. to get anything, partly because they don't feel safe enough to do so. So in a difficult relationship, um, there's still something of that left. You might turn towards them, give it a try. If it doesn't work, then you might say, oh, well, you know, there's another argument we had. And so that may be just ongoing. So if you have perpetual arguments that keep happening over and over again, there's no empathy anymore, mm -hmm. you start losing that, that'll slide from a difficult relationship right into a toxic one, um, where then you're not willing to change, you're not willing to even look at the issue anymore. It becomes more about he said, she said, you're to blame, um, I'm not, you change, I'm not going to change. And so there's no willingness to change after a while. Um, and then when you're in that state for a long time, you can stay there for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then you have to realize, well, how healthy is this for me at this point? When we, when we start to consider some of the ways in which we can maybe interact with toxic relationships, I think it's important to distinguish. Uh, we don't want to simply define people as like, you're a toxic person. Uh, that can be dangerous because we, we first and foremost believe this as followers of Jesus, that all people are made in the image of God that all people are loved, and all people are seen by a good and loving God. However, the reality of life is that we have interactions and experiences that begin to inform the way that we treat others and treat the people around us. And those actions, those habits, those, those, those practices that become normalized for people in their life, those are the toxic ways in which they, be, they become. Think of it this way. It's like you've, you've eaten something toxic 
well, the, maybe your breath is going to be a little toxic on the other side of it. That, that's kind of what's going on in those toxic environments. We're not looking to archetype or to simply define people as you are a toxic person. And I would actually um, caution against that because that can prevent you from experiencing a sense of empathy and grace for that person if we're quick to put a label. However, a healthy thing that we can do is identifying the toxic ways in which they are treating you, experiencing life, and doing so on an ongoing basis. Yep. Yes. So yeah. um, the, the other, th other thing I wanted to just get your quick thought on was, can, can everyone, let's just, I feel like a little bit of interaction is good. Uh, have you ever come across a relationship and you're like, this one is, at this point, toxic? Have you stayed in that relationship? Yes. I, I, and, I, and I think I'm guilty of that as well. So the question is, why do we do it? Why do we do it? <laughs> um, I think the, the, it's an exhaustive list, but the ones, I, if, I speak, if I speak directly for a, a couple who's been together for a long time, um, the top reasons I've seen are children. If they have children, they'll stick it out because they have kids and can leave, so we'll stick it out for the kids. Along the lines of that, uh, money, finances are a big one. Uh, sometimes in a relationship, uh, especially if you're in a couple relationship, one person makes the money and the other one doesn't. And so they'll stay. Uh, other reasons are religious and cultural reasons. I run a, a fairly diverse uh, private practice where I work with people coming from many different cultural backgrounds, many faith backgrounds. And certain cultures and certain faiths combined with that, they don't leave. They say, Divorce is not possible. We're not going to do it. And they will stay even if that relationship is physically abusive, abusive in any which way, shape, or form. And they'll stay in it for a very long time. Um, but however, a lot of faith traditions actually do believe that if there's physical abuse or some type of abuse where you don't feel safe in the relationship, there's an allowance to separate out to work on the marriage. So they may not fully divorce, but they might simply take that time to, and the, and the faith tradition may get involved with that a little bit. Um, just a very quick example, I had in a smiley couple, a smiley is a particular thing, and they have um, a council that they go to to resolve issues sometimes. And, um, and so this particular couple is very, it's a very abusive, mutually abusive relationship, but they are separating out and the faith is sort of getting involved and they have legal team, they have spiritual guides and leaders, me, I'm part of that, I'm not in a smiley though, um, to just to work on that a little bit. So you stay for that reason as well. Mm -hmm. There's also people who stay because loneliness. Yeah. Uh, they don't want to be alone, and it's better to stick it out with somebody. As um, one of my clients early on in my career said, you know, Paul, I asked her, why do you stay? What what's keeps you stuck with this guy? And it was not a very good relationship. And she said to me, she goes, it's better to wake up next to a warm body than no body at all. Mm -hmm. And so she stuck it around. And um, low self-esteem. Um, keeps you in for a long time. There's very many other factors. Uh, you know, mental health issues. People with mental health issues will stay together because they have the similar mental health concerns, and but it's not very healthy. Um, there's there's many different years. What's that? Or it's your laws. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and I think there's lots of different reasons. I made some notes, but um, um, yeah, just investment of time. You've been in it for such a long time, and yeah. you say, oh, stick it out. I might as well. So they have hope. That yeah. it, may be just, it might just get better. Yeah. And usually, it and as Pastor Jason mentioned, um, even a toxic person, if you identify somebody as toxic, I always, in 
this is me having hope for my, the people around me. And I, from a Christian perspective, I, I look for the, the image, the, the Imago Dei, the image of God. I look for them. There is some redeeming qualities, although you may not notice it. <laughs> There's some, something good within most people. Although that's questionable if you look at world history and you look at all that stuff, but um, there's something there. And so sometimes people, even in a toxic relationship, will look at that and say, you know, early on, he or she, they were a good person. And I'm just kind of waiting for that to shine again. Yeah. And it may never shine again. Uh, and sometimes it does. People can change. And certain stressors in life um, can change people as well. Difficult um, conversation. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's basically we're all looking to be sure of each other, really. Uh, we need that surety that, hey, when I turn towards you, do you have my back? Mm. And, um, and, uh, and especially that emotional connection thing I mentioned earlier, because if you do not feel safe, who, why would you turn to a, somebody who you don't feel safe with? And because if, when you have these vulnerable feelings deep inside, you want to express them to somebody. And so usually it's to our family member or a friend um, or in a, in a marriage relationship, you turn to your wife or your husband or to turn to somebody. And so, but when that goes, then it feels, you, you do feel stuck and you feel lonely. And then you go, it's gotta go somewhere. And that's when you have addiction issues and a whole bunch of other things that come up, or affairs or whatever it is that come up out of that, so yeah. Awesome, um, thank you for sharing that, Paul. Oh yeah, unresolved oh. childhood issues. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just repeat a pattern um, because it's just what you know, and so you repeat it. You thought your parents do it? Yeah. And you go. So yeah. Anyways, like I said, it's not exhaustive. I can keep on going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. So don't give me a mic. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Let's give it up for Paul. So in summary, there's a lot of different things <laughs> that we can we can mark as causes of of these toxic interactions that we might have in our everyday lives. Hear me on this. Interacting with toxic people, this is what I have found. It, it depletes you. Uh, it discourages you. Uh, it can cause you to question your sanity. You can act out of character. You question your self-confidence. Uh, you can destroy, feel like your sense of peace or joy is, restore, is, is destroyed. And here's the thing. If you lose confidence uh, and you, you don't really have anything to share with anyone else, and this is, this is the part that I often struggle with. I, I, I think that for my personality, when I see someone who is in a, in a difficult spot, I, I desperately want to find a way to make things better. It's like a, a little bit of a savior complex. But, but the issue with that is that if you are investing all of your time and effort and energy into a relationship or interaction that is not at a place where it's going to bear appropriate fruit, you are not able to be fruitful in any other relationship or interaction that may be prepared in other areas of life. Sometimes our desire to fix is actually hurting other healthy relationships in our life. And the ability to identify that which is toxic, I believe, is going to help us to identify that opportunities which can be fruitful. Gary Thomas, author of When to Walk Away, he says this. He says, there are certain people who drain us, demean us, and distract us from other healthy relationships. 
Long after they're gone, we're still fighting them in our minds and trying to get them out of our hearts. They keep us awake. They steal our joy. They demolish our peace. And they make us weaker spiritually. They even invade times of worship and pervert them into seasons of fretting. So with all of this in mind, I think we're left sometimes with this struggle as followers of Jesus. How do we respond? And as we are prone to do, and as I think we should do, we look at the life of Jesus and how we are to respond. Jesus talks about a variety of different things throughout his ministry, but he talks about, in Matthew 6, 33, a a call that he wants to give to all people. And he says this, he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He says this, seek first the kingdom of God. When you're in conflict, seek first the kingdom of God. When you are anxious, seek first the kingdom of God. When you are victorious, seek first the kingdom of God. And for many of us, I think that we are quick to substitute the attributes of Christ with this response, that we, would, we are more likely to consider our Christian faith from this perspective, seek first to be nice to everyone. Seek first to just be a really nice person. Seek first to be as nice as Jesus was nice. But Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. We are to first seek the things of God as a priority over the things of this world. And it means that we're to seek a life that is fruitful in the ways that God desires us to be fruitful. To experience the fullness of life. And if we're not experiencing the fullness of life, we're not actually pursuing and seeking the kingdom of God. We're missing out on on something that is meant for us. Paul invites us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, and he says this. He says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with these things. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. If we are taking God's business as priority, if we're taking God's call to seek the kingdom first as our priority, then we need to be desiring and discovering those things that Paul is talking about, to clothe ourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, and with patience. But hear me when I say this, to do those things does not mean to maintain toxic, unhealthy environments. And this is the disconnect I find for myself. Sometimes when I think of Jesus, I'm like, Jesus would constantly, he would stay in this conversation until it was past the point of no return. But when you look at the Gospels and you consider all the interactions that Jesus has, there are countless moments where Jesus makes the decision to actually walk away. Not to give up on someone, but to understand that the interaction, conversation, and relationship was probably at a point they were not able to receive anything that was being said, nor was it going to be beneficial or fruitful for him. And this kind of seems like counter to our thoughts about Jesus. We think to ourselves, like, Jesus is the nicest guy in the world. He's going to stick it out with even the most uncomfortable and difficult of situations. 
And yes, I think Jesus does do that. But when things get toxic, we are invited to consider it differently. Jesus, in uh, Matthew 6.33, he says, seek first the kingdom of God. And then seven verses later, he says that we are to do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. That is to say, in your pursuit of seeking first the kingdom of God, you are going to come across toxic interactions with people. And I want you to pursue the kingdom with wisdom, not blind disregard. And this is a consistent theme that when we're talking about how Jesus invites us to deal with relationships. I think we hear narratives out of the Bible, like turn the other cheek. And we consider it from the perspective of we're supposed to lie down and just take it. That is never the approach that Jesus actually provides. Jesus consistently invites his followers to not operate with complete abandon and ignorance for for self-care. He invites his followers to operate with wisdom. Wisdom in relationship, wisdom in conversation, wisdom in interaction, and wisdom in recognition of what does the relationship actually have the opportunity to produce. So with this in mind, I think we need to consider the clothes that Paul tells us to, to put on ourselves. Compassion, humility, patience, and gentleness. If we consider uh, humility first and foremost, I think being humble is a very difficult thing to do when you feel right. Whether or not we disengage from toxic relationships, we are often prone to re- I, I think that there's a lot of uh, awareness in this room that you can identify a relationship as fairly toxic. This is not a good place for me to be. And then we think to ourselves, well, you know what? I'm going to prove my point. I'm going to make it known. I'm going to find a way for them to understand how wrong that they are so they can improve upon where they're going. And they're going to actually, at the end of this, they're going to love me. This is, my, this is my struggle on a personal basis. I walk into a room and I am your prototypical people pleaser. <laughs> I want to have good conversations with every single person in the room. And I don't want to just have a good conversation with you. I want you to remember me after the conversation. I want, us to, I want you to, to, think to, my, to think to yourself, I'm going to go home and add him on Facebook. I'm going to check him out on Instagram. He seemed like a really nice guy. You know what? I, I, he said this thing to me. I want, to, I want them to remember something. I want them to like me. <laughs> And the problem with this approach that I have found consistently is that my people-pleasing tendency, this I want everyone to like me approach, is actually incredibly prideful. And it removes my ability to have an awareness because my thoughts are about myself and not about the other. There is no humility involved in this. And so... Here, here's, the, here's the dissonance that we can discover in this. I'm actually being really nice to everyone in the room. But I'm not being like Christ. I'm being nice, but it's not like Christ. 
because my action, my response, my, interac- my interaction with others is not founded in the humility that we're invited to clothe ourselves in. As children of God, as followers of Jesus, this is the foundation that we're meant to find for ourselves. And here's the thing. If you want to be free from toxic interactions and people in your life, you have to learn this. You need to learn to be okay with others not being okay with you. To be a healthy person is to have the courage to let toxic people oppose you, hate you, and say awful things about you. Followers of Jesus need to stop worrying about unhealthy people responding to healthy decisions in unhealthy ways. Quote from Gary Thomas. Followers of Jesus need to stop worrying about unhealthy people responding to healthy decisions in unhealthy ways. Maybe it's just me, but I find myself so consumed in moments where I want others to just respond the right way. (laughs) I've done my part. I've said the right thing. I've been nice. I've been kind. I've been generous. And then there's the frustration that boils up because of their unhealthy response. But that is not our call. Our call is not to fix people. We are called to clothe ourselves in humility. So though your action may look one way, I, I want to ask you this morning, what is the foundation of your action? Is it to please people? Uh, and if it's to please people, and if it's to make yourself look a certain way, then I would challenge that it is based out of pride and not humility. We can't control the way someone else responds, and their response isn't on us. Uh, counselor Brad Hambrick, he says this, He says, grieving is a better use of emotional energy than fretting or second-guessing. So keep the emphasis there. Learn how to grieve fractured relationships. And then learn how to let them go. Don't let disappointment morph into self-doubt and self-flagellation. Just because you wish something wasn't, wasn't a certain way doesn't mean it's your fault that it's not. When we operate in humility... We are given, giving ourselves the opportunity to feel the comfort of Christ in the midst of it. That is going to be the, the source of any ad- adoration that we're seeking rather than the adoration of people. Pride seeks to please people. Humility seeks to please God. The second, uh, the second piece that I want to consider in terms of what we're going to be clothing ourselves with is compassion. Uh, how many people, well, we're in the lower mainland, so I would hope we get everyone with their hands. Does everyone here know how to swim? Everyone has swam, swims fairly well, says to themselves that if I was put, put in the ocean, I wouldn't drown immediately, like it's that, that kind of way. That is my response to that question. It was one of the most jarring experiences in early marriage for, for Adriana and I. We were 
uh, we were on our, our honeymoon. It was beautiful. We were in the Caribbean, and we go in the ocean. I'm like, oh, I'm a decent swimmer. And she is like a dolphin swimming circles around me. And I'm like, I can't stay out here much longer. <laughs> my legs are getting tired. And then in my great pride and feeling so masculine, I had to just grab onto Adriana as she's made sure that I did not drown. So that was the beginning of our wonderful marriage. So <laughs> I think uh, one, one of the examples that I hear in regards to, to swimming, uh, I have friends and, and family that have gone through life, lifeguard courses. And one of the first things that they teach you in a lifeguard course is not actually how to save, uh, is not how to save someone. It's how to help calm someone else down that maybe is, is thrashing around or to go to someone else first before going to the person who is going to maybe bring you down with them. What the, the, one of the first things they teach you is don't go to the most dangerous place if you're looking to be a person of, uh, that is helping. And I think this is true in the midst of how we deal with our relationships as well. I think we can be so quick to identify that which is difficult and that which is hurting in our lives. And we commit all of our time and our effort and our energy and our attention into that one area that we miss the opportunity to have these other areas flourish and grow. And we, we tell ourselves, like I've said, that's being nice, that's being kind, that's being good. But I would, I would challenge that, in fact, we are missing what compassion is actually inviting us to do. Because this is what compassion actually does. Compassion wants to believe the best in people. And often when it comes to toxic relationships, we alter our responses to people to appease a toxic habit. That we actually are not believing the best about the person. We're changing our response or our interaction simply to appease the way in which they are normally operating. So when you think about the toxic maybe interactions or relationships that you have in your life, how do you change the way that you interact with them simply to avoid conflict? Or how do you change the way that you interact with them so that you don't actually have to deal with the issue at hand? Do you know what compassion is? Compassion is treating them with the honor and the dignity of claiming health over their life in a way that you can have a healthy honest response in your interaction with them. Don't be, don't be cruel, don't be unwise, but that also means that we don't simply appease or appeal or placate a toxic relationship or interaction and treat it as if it's okay. We're not helping anyone, and in fact, I would contend that is extremely uncompassionate to make someone believe that their toxic interaction or relationship or action is okay to do. Compassion is believing the best about someone. And if we believe the best about someone, what do we believe as followers of Jesus? We believe that they are made in the image of God. We believe that they are loved beyond compare. We believe that God has placed inside of them gifts and traits and, and, and ways in which they can flourish as individuals in all the spaces that they are present in. And sometimes there's all these different things that are in the way. But for us to appease those different elements that are in the way, we are not acknowledging the truth of who God declares them to be. Some, one of the most compassionate things you can do in a toxic relationship is to believe the very best about someone before they believe it about themselves. Don't simply appease a toxic action. 
But call out the very best in them. I know that you're better than this. I know that the response that you're giving me is not something that you actually believe is going to be beneficial or or wise or healthy for yourself, let alone those around you. Do you know this, that you are loved and you don't have to act that way. You you are loved and you don't have to treat people that way. You are loved and I'm going to, I want to, Believe the very best for you before you believe that for yourself. That's to clothe yourself in compassion. I think I've learned this more in this season than any other, that to actually operate in the ways of Jesus is actually to be fairly confrontational. (laughs) To come up against the ways of the world that have become so passive and neutral and non-confrontational. Because compassion confronts, confronts that which is wrong and believes the best. Humility places a priority on someone else over ourselves. That's a confrontation with yourself. Often the very toxic practices that frustrate us, if we are lacking compassion in our relationships, the The toxic practices that we face can become the practices that we engage with ourselves. So hear me on this. If you are simply acknowledging someone's toxic practices and saying that is okay, it is quickly going to become a point of frustration for yourself. Man, this person, they are so selfish. I hate how much they talk about other people. They just talk. They're always complaining. They're always complaining. Or they just can't stop talking about themselves. And what happens in those interactions for us in our frustration? We end up adopting the very toxic practice that we are so frustrated by. It it becomes a, a cycle of toxicity that we have unintentionally engaged in. In Colossians, Paul presents the idea in chapter 12 of what we clothe ourselves in. But this is also what he tells us to remove. He says, you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Believe the best, be compassionate, and step into those difficult situations. Jesus had the ability and the composure and the wisdom to walk away from that which was toxic and towards that which was willing. And the final thing that is talked about in the passage from Paul is forgiveness. And this is just simply learning to let go. I feel like often our toxic relationships in our life stick around because we are the ones who are having the inability to forgive and to let go. It's like a chain that Jesus has unlocked that has been around your ankle and you've become so familiar with it that you continue to hold on to it as if it is the thing that's holding on to you. And the invitation of forgiveness is to let go of this chain that Jesus has already done the work with. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. You can't, you can't please everyone. 
You, you can't be everyone's favorite person. And, and you can't be who God wants you to be if the pursuit of your life is to simply make everything okay and nice and fine. Sometimes forgiveness is not a perfect reconciliation or resolution to an interaction. But forgiveness is an invitation that we're given by a good and loving God to find freedom where we might find ourselves at. Frank Viola says, you can't have a tug of war with someone if you drop the rope. When I'm in a toxic situation, I want to invite you this morning. We can change our tactics. Don't expect the other person to act in a non-toxic way. That often just leads to disappointment. Instead, let's try this. Can we be focused on speaking the truth? That's compassion. Of guarding our, our sanity by trying to understand behavior that is perhaps a little bit unreasonable can make you just feel a little crazy. And, and, and first and foremost, for those that we are having difficulty interacting with, can we double down on prayer? I think sometimes we misunderstand what prayer actually does Prayer is not trying to turn God into a Coke machine to somehow transform the people around you. Prayer aligns our heart with the heart of God. And in every toxic situation, in every difficult relationship, the thing that we need most is to see things, see people, see the world through the eyes of Christ. So let's double down on prayer. Right now, as we're even talking, can you think of things one person, two people, three people that you would say, man, I, have, I am so frustrated with them. I am past the point of return with them. I can't even get in the same room as them. And you know what? It is a good thing to walk away sometimes. But we don't have to give up on them because we believe that God is actively pursuing them in every single way. We can have separation, but we can still pray. We can still believe that God is speaking to them in their, in their own spaces. We can still believe that God is for them and not against them. That even though they're having toxic interactions and addictions and habits, that they have so much more within them because they are made in the image of God. Do not lose sight of that truth in the midst of your frustration. When you think of that individual, do what is right sometimes and walk away, but, can, but double down on prayer. Do what is right and speak truthful compassion to them, but double down on prayer. It's not going to be the perfect response in every situation, but your response can always be, I'm going to pray for them and believe that God is going to speak to them in a powerful way and I'm going to be given the words and the compassion and the empathy and the humility to maybe be the voice that they need to hear in a relationship. The invitation of finding holistic mental health from our spiritual perspective starts from this place of wisdom. Godly wisdom. Be aware of when we need to speak. Aware of when we need to listen. To always approach with humility and to never stop praying. Thank goodness that we have a good God that never gave up on us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks 
that you give us the, the declaration to seek first the kingdom of God, but then the wisdom of being able to guard our hearts and understand that we're going to come against difficult situations and difficult people. We just pray right now for every single person in this room that you would start to pour out your wisdom uh, as they identify interactions or relationships that they would say are toxic in their life, that you would give them the courage to perhaps walk away, the, the courage to, to have some space, and the courage to continue to pray. Make us a people that don't simply see the world as black and white, but see the nuance and the gray in the midst of it, that we understand the empathy that we need to carry in every situation, and you would give us the humility to not simply desire to be right, but to be a part of right relationship, to be part of reconciliation, to be part of healing, to be fruitful in seeking the kingdom of God in all situations. So we just pray for wisdom in this room. That, that your wisdom would lead us and guide us and shape us. And as we come across these situations that seem overwhelming and beyond our control, you would give us the ability to come before you over and over again in such a way that it begins to shape us from the inside out. May we know you in such a way that we begin to truly know ourselves. That the revelation of love that we see in you begins to be the foundation for the revelation of our lives. And we live from that place. Thank you for the courageous people in this room. Thank you for the joy and the peace that you want each of us to discover and to live in. Where that seems lost, we just pray, Father, that you would replenish it. Where that seems too far gone, I just pray that you would give us hope. And where it seems impossible, would you do a miracle? We so desperately need you. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it challenged, encouraged, and inspired you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.